Well, amen. Thank you so much for leading us in a wonderful time of praise, thanksgiving, and worship. If you want to find Mark chapter 8, our passage this morning, if you came in a little later, we're looking at Mark chapter 8, verse 35 to 38. <clears throat> Mark eight thirty-five: for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? In verse 38, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I want us to look this morning at first the definition of the soul. If the soul is so vital and held up to such importance, what exactly does Jesus mean by the soul? Then I want us to take a look at the next verse, verse 16, or verse 36, on the value of the soul. And then finally, we'll look at verse 38 on the testing of the soul. What's the way we know we haven't lost our soul or we're not going to lose the soul? So first, let's look at a definition of the soul. I noticed in my version um, that they... English Standard Version, there's actually two, uh, two versions of this version. One's an earlier English Standard Version in which they translate this as the life of a man. What if he loses his life? But then later they came back with the newer version, which I have now, and they put it the way it used to be, and that is the soul. Because the life is not exactly the soul. So he talks about the value of the soul and the definition of the soul is something like we would say, you are a person. In Genesis 2-7, the first place a soul is mentioned, it says the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Uh, notice that he already had a body before he became a soul. But when you took the Spirit of God, breathing life into that body, he became the living soul. It seems like that you have to have both of these that you are actually, in a mysterious way, a unit of body and soul 
and inner man. That uh, you can't say biblically that you have a soul. Like you have a car, you have a house, and you got a soul. It's not something you possess. It's something you are. Actually, I wouldn't even say you have a body. You are a body. Together, this is the soul, the person, the human being that Jesus is saying is valuable. There's a verse in Genesis 46 where it says concerning Jacob's descendants that uh, when he had, there were 66 of them went down into Egypt to be with Joseph. Here's the way it puts it. Genesis 46, 26. And all the souls that came with Jacob into Egypt were 66. All the souls. Now I got a feeling they didn't leave their bodies behind. So when he uses the word soul, all the souls that went down there, it meant the entire person. Every hair on the head and every finger that they had and the mind and the emotions and the spirit, one soul. The soul is the union of the entire man. And by the way, uh, Jesus is Jesus saves the soul, which means He saves not just your spirit, but He saves your whole body because your spirit and your body go together. So at the resurrection, when Jesus returns, He's going to raise your body in its entirety. You will look like and have the characteristics like you have today. Listen at this verse. This is John chapter 6 and verse 39. John 6, 39. Jesus said, This is the will of Him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all, all the people he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Notice that. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of those he's given me. He's not going to leave behind one fingernail. He's going to raise you up in your entire body. Um, it'll be a perfect body. Amen? Like Jesus' body. Philippians 3 says that it'll be like His glorious body, which means His resurrection body. So it means that, that uh, uh, you'll have a head full of hair. It means that uh, I will be as slim and trim as anyone you ever seen. Hallelujah for that day. He's going to lose nothing that the Father's given him. Well, Father didn't really give him everything I got on my body. So he's going to leave that behind. But he will lose nothing. 
of it for all those the Father has given him. What a wonderful idea. This means that you will recognize one another because there will be a bodily resurrection. It means you will be able to hug your loved ones. You know I look forward to that. I have some loved ones, and I'd love to hug them. And I'll get to at that reunion day. And you'll be able to hug them without fear of a virus. Hallelujah. Amen to that. I'm ready. So what is the soul? It is the whole person. Body, soul, the spirit, the mind, the emotions, the personality. I used illustration this morning about a king named Charlemagne whose body was uh, entombed or interred in a vault in Germany. Charlemagne the Great. And uh, a king conquered Germany and conquered the city, Aachen, where he was uh, in this cathedral. And they broke open the, this tomb and discovered that they, in fact, they wrote, they recorded everything, what they found. He was dressed in royal robes, and he had a gold scepter and a gold crown with a Bible open. But people had taken, it had been broken into so many times, people had taken parts of his bones, you know, as relics. Somebody would break in, take a finger, Somebody would break in, take a foot, a toe. Somebody would break in, take something else. All the gold was gone, and there was a, just a few pile of bones at the bottom. And you can imagine. Bones, fragments, scattered literally all over the world. But one day, God will gather it all up, put it back together, in a glorious resurrection. What a day that'll be. So the definition of the soul is the entire man. The second thing, the value of the soul. We find this in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul or loses his soul? What can he give in exchange for his soul? In verse 36, there's one addition I would make here. The, word, the Greek word for world is cosmos. And it doesn't just mean the planet Earth. It means the planets, the planetary system, the universe, the cosmos. He says, uh, what does it profit if you gain the whole cosmos and lose your soul? In other words, the soul is more valuable, not only more valuable than every mountain and land and sea in this earth, but all the planets combined. The soul of a man is more valuable than that. Even, we would add, 
more valuable than the angels. Man, who, those who are the sons of God, the children of God through faith in Christ, he says, Galatians 3.26, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ. You're all sons of God through faith in Christ. But what does he say of angels? Hebrews 1.14, they are ministering spirits sent to serve those who inherit salvation. They are servants of God. We are sons of God. That's a big difference. Hebrews 1.5, to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son? No, the angels have a lesser role in dignity and exaltation than the child of God. Sometimes when I was uh, younger, I used to watch Bonanza. I used to like uh, watching uh, Ben Cartwright and interact with his sons, uh, Hoss. Anybody ever watch Bonanza. One of the questions I used to hear was if man is so significant to God, why is there such a vast universe? One day I was watching Bonanza, and they, you know, it comes on with this picture of the Ponderosa, and it covered up half of Virginia. And I thought, That's what makes the people in that one house so significant. It's because they have authority and dominion over this vast landscape. This is what God has done for man. It's the the greatness of the universe does not prove man is insignificant. It proves he is significant. This is our Ponderosa. And we're the Cartwrights. (laughs) Amen. So the vastness of the universe proves the greatness of the soul. Now let's look finally here at the testing of the soul. The, we might could even say the saving of the soul. Mark, Mark 8 verse 38. For who is, whoever is ashamed of me and my words... In this adulterous and sinful generation of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You notice it starts with the word for. For whoever is ashamed of me. See, he's warned about the value of the soul. What if you lose your soul? What is worth losing the soul? And then he says, for, if you're ashamed of me and of my words... I'll be ashamed of you. In other words, you lose your soul. Jesus is the, when Jesus is ashamed of you, that's what it, he means by being a sh- losing of the soul. For whoever's ashamed of me and my words. So how do we lose the soul? By being ashamed of Jesus and his words. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of his words. Amy Barrett, most of you have probably heard, the 48-year-old mother of seven has been selected to be the next Supreme Court nominee, replacing 
Ruth Ginsburg. From all reports, uh, this dear lady is a devoted wife, mother of seven, two of them adopted from Haiti after the earthquake there. She took them in. They made them their own. She's an outspoken Christian nominated to the Supreme Court. This has led many in Washington to oppose her nomination, not because she's not qualified legally, but because she's a devoted Christian. And they're afraid that her faith might cause her judgments to be astray. Diane Feinstein, for example, said to her, your dogma, that is your Christian beliefs, speaks loudly within you. Your beliefs, your convictions, your Christian faith speaks loudly within you. And I thought, well, that's a whole lot better than your lack of Christian belief or, or lack of dogma speaking loudly because what I hear from Washington these days is a lot of lack of dogma speaking loudly. Paganism is speaking loudly. Unbelief is speaking loudly. Hate is speaking loudly. I think it's time we had a Christian whose faith in Christ speaks loudly. I think we need that. Someone who's not ashamed of the words of Jesus. He calls us. Don't be ashamed of me and my words. If you do, you lose your soul. You lose yourself. We are called to stand up for Him and what He says. His words. What did Jesus say about children? What did Jesus say about marriage? What did Jesus say about creation? What did Jesus say about sin? What did Jesus say about racism? And yes, what Jesus said about heaven and hell and judgment to come and what Jesus said about the soul of man. And Jesus said, don't be ashamed of me and of my words. We need people like that. In December of 2004, an earthquake rocked the Indian Ocean. This triggered a tsunami that ultimately killed 250,000 people. Some of you probably saw this uh, years ago, the, the waves coming in and just washing everybody and everything um, away. But there was one section of the coastline where no one died. There was one hotel where not one person lost their life. There was a family, and there was this little 11-year-old girl named Tilly Smith. She had studied tsunamis in school, and she had learned to recognize the, what uh, came before a tsunami, like the big frothy bubbles on the surface of the ocean. 
and the sudden receding of the, of the sea where it just, it's like it just disappeared. In fact, they call that the disappearing sea. You can go out and look and you can hardly see the ocean. It's just left the shoreline and went back into itself. And when you see these things, Tilly Smith saw it and went and told her parents. And she said, there's a tsunami coming. They believed her. And they went and told the management. And they believed them. They evacuated the entire hotel, the entire front coast, coastline in the front of the hotel, and not one single person perished who heard her words. But everywhere else, tens of thousands of people washed away. This is what Jesus means. We need people who are not ashamed of the words of Christ. They lead to the saving of the soul. When he says here, verse 37, For what can a man give in return? Not, uh, I used to read this, what would a man give? And I, it's, it's easy to read it wrong, but what can a man if the soul is worth more than the entire cosmos, if you could use the planetary systems and all the galaxies as collateral, could you then buy back the soul that is lost? And Jesus said you couldn't. It's not enough. It's not enough. The person that God has made, consisting of your spirit, your emotions, your mind, your body... The whole thing, it took the Son of God's death to redeem it. And He will have everything about it. Praise His name. It is so valuable. And I just, I'll just close with this. A couple of words. One, let's get our focus back. I think we always have had, but I want to renew that commitment. The winning of souls. He that wins souls is wise, Proverbs says. Going after souls. And then the standing for Jesus and His words. Take a stand. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up for His teaching. And don't be ashamed. And if you're not a Christian, don't take His warnings lightly. Because once you lose the soul, there's not enough value in all the universe to buy it back. May God grant us this new vision today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, give us a sobering and clear vision of your call on our life. Lead us, guide us, save us, forgive us. Cleanse us, anoint us to do your work, your master work of the saving of the soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It's